0: Okay, So, this week, we are learning Parsha's Hazinu, which is chapter 32 of Chomish Devarim of Deuteronomy. We know. Okay. Um, I want to backtrack a little bit before we get into the Parsha, because there's a lot of stuff going on. And, um, yeah. So, before before we get it, the, it's the second to the last hour portion. Um, and by way of introduction as well, we're going to, next Shabbos... Next Shabbos is going to be Sukkot, so we're not going to read uh, Vezot Habracha, which is the last one. We're going to actually read it in the Shabbos after, when it's Simchat Torah here in Israel. Um, in America, there's going to be a day off. And then, uh, so if you do learning, like if you learn the Torah portion of every week, then you're going to be doing the Parsha of Vezot Habracha, the blessings that Moses gives to the Jewish people, for two weeks. And then... We're gonna move it and for a change this year. We have like a full year, a full week to learn Bereshit. And by the way, I'm so stoked because this is the first year, I think, in ever that we're gonna be learning Baratius together in class. Mm-hmm. So I'm very excited. I'm also very stressed because there is so much happening in Beratias, and I don't even know what we're gonna do about that, but we'll <laughs> we can jump share off. we what we learned in college. We'll jump yeah. off that bridge when we get to it. Exactly. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. So we're gonna talk about this. Uh-huh. Okay, so first of all... So first of all... Oh, okay, sh- what's, that, what's that? So here we are. This week is... It's Parsha Hazinu. It's also called Shabbos Shuvah or Shabbos Shuvah. Okay? Shuvah is from... is taken from the Haftorah of Shuvah Yisrael. The, from the prophet says that people come back to Hashem. So either it's called Shabbos Shuvah or Shabbat Shuvah because it's in the ten days of Shuvah. That's Shuvah. So Shuvah. Mm-hmm. And if you'll notice that they have... A similarity, right? The the chuva and shuva are gonna share roots, but also shabbat and tshuva share words, share, share root letters. Okay? Shabbat and chuva. Whoa. Right, you just got it, right? Here we have yeah. shavat and here we have chuva. Look how many letters overlap. Oh wow. Oh, Okay, they totally overlap the letters, which means that yeah, you have to search out. Which means that this Shabbos, when we are in fact engaging in Shuvah, because it's still part of the ten days of repentance, we got to do it in a different manner. We're not doing it in like, oh my gosh, I was terrible, my life was terrible, and I'm gonna die. No. No, that's not what we're doing, okay? That's not what we're doing in general. Um, but also, we're not doing that this week specifically because we know that the place of Shabbat is automatically uplifted, okay? The week is automatically uplifted when we light our candles and Shabbat starts. It automatically is uplifted, whether you do anything or not. So the way we are going to come to our place of Tshuva on this Shabbat is going to be coming from a place of seeking connection Rather than seeking repentance. Because we know the word shuvah, which is also what this Shabbos is called, is to come back. And we talk about what is shuvah. Shuvah isn't turning over a new leaf and saying, oh my gosh, everything's terrible and I'm terrible and whatever. It's shuvah. So, wait really a second, how do I connect? So, I heard a beautiful, beautiful story recently from Rabbi Manas Friedman that he was sharing an experience that he had when he was in yeshiva. Um and they were it was around this time of year maybe it was still in L and they were the Bachrim were all sitting around and they were further bragging and um Remendal had recently come out of Russia to come to Israel and he no, he wasn't Israel, he was in America, sorry. Maybe they were in Israel. I don't remember. Wherever they were. So Remendal comes over to them and he's like, What is that? they talk, Oh, we're talking about chuva, we're talking about Chuba. He said, like, Oh, how do you do chuva? So the boys said, um, they said, well, you know, you think about all you did wrong last, you know, the, in this month, and you think about you did wrong here, and then you try to make amends. And he says, in such classic, he says, that's not how you do tshuva, that's not what tshuva is. So they say, okay, so what's tshuva? So he says, you think it. You think back to your year, and you look at tishrei, and you say, Whoa, well, look at all the blessings Hashem gave me in tishrei. And then you look in Cheshvan, and you say whoa, look at the brachas I got in Cheshven, and look at the things that I got in Kislev, and every single month, and then you say to yourself, Hashem has been so good to me, what am I giving back to Hashem? And really that's where our place of Yom Kippur, going into Yom Kippur, it's not, I mean, we're going to do a lot of that in Yom Kippur, like, let's not get me wrong, we're going to do a lot of, you know, banging on your chest, but the bigger question is how do I step into the relationship in a deeper way? Hashem has really been so good to us. And I think all of us, with our challenges, with the stuff that maybe we didn't live up to our best expectation all the time, but I think if we're honest with ourselves and we look at our year, and somebody once gave, somebody gave there was a, a, Neely Salem once gave the advice to look at your, your photo roll for the last year. you remember what happened to you the last year. There was a lot of good points there a lot of good things happen. And are we saying thank you for the good that Hashem has given us and coming to coming to Yom Kippur from that place, from that place of connection, from that place of... From that place of... Um, yeah. Gratitude? The, yeah, Is that what... yeah, yeah, yeah. Gratitude, but also, like, it's not only a place of gratitude. I'm going to get to you in a second, sorry. But um, the place of... I just want to be with you. You know, we always have, we, we all have like that friend. We just like to be around them, right? That's what it is. That's what the relationship is supposed to be like. What can I do to hang out with you? Like, how do we like spend time together? I'm going to just like sit here and watch you pack your suitcase while you go on your vacation, right? <laughs> this is this is really what we're looking for. We're looking to how do we connect. So it's not only gratitude. It is yes, gratitude, but it's more than that. Now. It's not just gratitude. It's also like, I just wanna hang out with you, God. Like can we just like be pals and like get coffee and, and mm-hmm. just be together, you know? There's something about that as well. know well, you just, meant like chuba because chub means to return. Correct. So to reciprocate awesome. everything that God did to us. So Remendal <laughs> was say, so Ramandel was saying that instead of looking and saying you don't want to sit and wallow on your kipper and you're We're not sitting and saying I did this wrong and I did this wrong. But if we can He's like, how, you're going to waste the Yom Kippur doing that? Right. No. But if I sit, if I spend the Yom Kippur thinking about all the good that Hashem gave me, okay, now what do I want to give back in return? And that's Chuba. And that's Chuba. And that's Chuba. That's, that's how he was describing Shubba. But how isn't I'm, this, like, similar to this? right? Like, Hashem is now, we've been saying, or Rabbi Kaufman is saying, Hashem came home with us, he wants to just hang out with us too. Like, isn't this a similar... Right, so the so Sukkot is already is the next stage. You have rosh Hashanah and kippur are a chunk, yeah, and then they lead into Sukkot. yeah. So the, it's it's clearly, uh, you know, like achrei ha in Israel, it's clearly a whole situation going on here. They are definitely connected, but there's also a very clear delineation between rosh Hashanah and kippur and Sukkot, how they interface. Yes, but I think, I think that the, the point that Ramenda was trying to make was. Maybe, and this is me making this up, I, I, this is what I'm reading into the story, is that maybe Yom Kippur gets to be the bridge for us. How do you go from crowning Hashem king to then hanging out in the sukkah and you know being embraced by God? Where's the bridge for that behavior? And that maybe is going to be that Yom Kippur where we step towards God and say, I want to get close to you, and I want to be connected to you, and you've been so amazing and good to me, Yes, we also have to clean up the stuff that we've done that we haven't done right. But the question is, where's our focus, and where are we getting most of our energy? That's going to be a different question, mm-hmm. and maybe that's maybe that's like a kind of bridge. But yes, it's definitely the holiday season. It's not just you know the holiday season. It, it's all it is all very much connected. That was one thing I wanted to mention. The second thing that I wanted to mention, which I think has probably been mentioned in class, but I think it's worth it's worth repeating again today is Tishrei. It's the yard side of Rebbe Simcha the Rebbe's mother. Um, and you know uh, a woman who didn't have an easy life but the last 17 years of her life she was in America and her, son, and her son was the Rebbe and the place of grace and beauty and graciousness that all the people who know stories about her, people who have met her talk about what a gracious woman she was and how she was like a force in the community of connection and welcoming people and, and so I just want to mention that uh, that today's her yard site, and our voting should be a little bit of a schuss for her. We talk about paradigms of strong Jewish women. and uh, Khan definitely is up there, and I'm sure you've heard a lot about her, and if you haven't, well, I'm happy to talk afterwards. Okay, one last thing by way of introduction. We're doing fine for this Um By way of introduction, um, and it's sort of like... I was going to, see, I wrote it down because last week I was going to tell you, and I forgot about it last week, so I wrote it down so I don't forget. So, when Chag is over, when Sukkot is over, and I don't know, like, it's like, I can't believe I'm saying those words because it's whatever. There's a, there's a Hasidic saying that we always talk about that says, that now the real work starts. <coughs> now we take the inspiration of the whole holiday season and we, like, pour it into our year. And I feel like we need to have that instruction a little bit earlier. Because if you ask me after Sukkot to remember what happened, I don't remember anything. I remember like the last, I remember Sukkot Torah, like I don't remember anything. But there's so much, like the energy that's going on all over Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and Sukkot and Subchas Torah and everything. There's like crazy, crazy spiritual energy that's going on over there. And what we need to do is we need to put it in our backpack so that when we leave the craziness of, of Tishri with the highs and the things and when you know, here's the sad truth about life. Things aren't always so exciting all the time. You know, you don't have like this roller coaster of of spiritual emotion going on all the time. We go into the winter. I mean, those of us in in the Northern Hemisphere, we're going into the winter, and it's going to be cold. And it's not just cold because we're shivering, but it's a place of lack of inspiration. And that's where we need to unpack the stuff that we gathered over Tishrei and say, this is what I need to inspire me. This is what I need to keep me warm now. If we don't think about it beforehand, we will not remember it. So now we're still close enough to Rosh Hashanah, and it's still close enough, it's still fresh enough in our memory that we could, like, Think of a few points in Rosh Hashanah. Maybe when we were, you know, listening to Shofar. Maybe when there was singing going on in the show. All different kinds. Everybody has different places of connection. If they're like, I want to hold on to this. And the more senses we use to remember anything, that's how we help lock in memory. So Rosh Hashanah is behind us, but we're still close enough. We can still remember. Say, what do I want for Rosh Hashanah to go into my spiritual backpack so that when I'm uninspired... I can reach back and I can hear that, and I I can be warmed from that. And the same thing, we're going into Yom Kippur, we're going to go into Sukkot and Simchat Torah, and I want to give us all a bracha and a challenge that we create memories as they're happening and say, I want to remember this. I am putting this into my spiritual backpack because I will need it at some point. I don't know when, but I know that I'm gonna need this. I'm gonna need the crazy joy of, of Simcha Torah, I'm gonna to need the that's such a that reverence of Yom Kippur, of of Shariah Shema Yisrael. Israel, whatever it is that that resonates with you, I'm giving you the now you know, we gotta pack the backpack as we're going. So let's put it all together. Or it's like it's the- Harvest seasons. So you're harvesting the stuff, and then you have it for the winter. Exactly, but if you say afterwards, exactly. But if you say afterwards, let's put everything. Let's go back and like go check out the cellar. Like it's it's, no, it's, it's no, not even <laughs> cellar. It's not a cellar. If it never got here. We're putting it into the cellar. Oh, you need to like, make sure you're. You need harvesting. to say, you, need, you <laughs> need to remember to harvest. Exactly, you need to remember to harvest so that we have it to eat when we're when things are. Yeah, okay. That was the second thing that I wanted to say to you. Okay. Now, I want to say one more thing about Hazino in general, and then we're really, really going to go inside, I promise you. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that in part of davening that we have, there's something called the Shir Yom, the Song of the Day. Mm-hmm. Right? And the Shir Yom, the Song of the Day, that we say, it's at some point after the Amida, before Inkalakano and Elenu. Some of us may not say that on a regular basis, and that's fine. Not... Um, uh, so those that your shal those chapters of Tehillim are Tehillim are Tehillim's? chapter. they're chapters of Tehillim that the Levites used to sing in the Beit HaMikdash and every Sunday they would sing the song that we say on Sunday and every Monday they would sing the song we say on Monday etc. etc. and etc. all the way through the week and there's a question in the Talmud what did they sing on Shabbat? what was the song that they sang on Shabbat? So the general consensus, on partial consensus, thank you, Jewish people. <laughs> partial consensus is that in, when they brought the first sacrifices in the day for the morning for Shacharit, they said Mizmor Sheli Yom HaShabbat, which we do say in our Shabbat davening right after um, after Bar Shamar. So Mizmor Sheli Yom HaShabbat, that was the song of the day that they did for Shacharit. But when they brought the Musaf offering and they sang, what what did they sing? So. There's a partial answer and a full answer. So they said Hazinu, but the question was, how did they say Hazinu? Did they do all of Hazinu every single Shabbos? Or was Hazinu split up into six parts and every day they did... No, not every day. And every Shabbat they did a sixth, sixth of Hazinu. Okay, so now we're going to jump into Hazinu. It has different ramifications for other things. It's interesting, you know, we talk about like we now work... we. We finished the Torah in one year. There was times in the land of Israel they did it over a three year cycle and all different things. So, the question of how they did it is open to interpretation, to Jews through opinions, um, but but they definitely said Hazinu as their song. Okay, now, if you look back a little bit to the end of last week's Torah portion, right? Um, Chapter 31, verse 19, which we discussed a little bit last time. It says, you should, And now you should write this song for yourself, teach it to the Jewish people, put it in their, put it in their mouths, but this song should be a testimony for the Jewish people. Right, it's the last mitzvah. Mm-hmm. This is the last mitzvah. Mitzvah 613. If you have not yet bought yourself a book, you still have a chance to catch it and buy yourself a book. <laughs> no more. right? Um, so so the, the mitzvah number 613, which we had last week, was the mitzvah to write a Sefer Torah. Okay. Well... It talks about, the, the Pasek says, to write this song. And most of the commentaries agree that the song that we're talking about is the song of Hazinu that is going to follow. Um, and then comes a conversation in the Talmud. you can't just write a part of the Torah, so then you have the whole thing to write a whole Sefer Torah, to be part of it, whatever, all those kind of things which we talked about last week said so I want to repeat. But I want to link here, I want to come here and I want to talk about, for a second, I want to talk about song. Because we're going to talk about Hazinu, we am going to talk about what it, you know, what it means, and what we're supposed to do with it, and da da da. But I want to preface it, how Torah prefaces it, that it has to be a song for us. Okay, Torah has to be a song for us. Now we know a lot of things about song. First of all, we know that when you learn something with a song, you never forget it. Okay, <laughs> exactly. so, that's that's song. Song I mean, is what. So I've seen it by heart. Well, I don't. But, you, but, if you, but, but if you were like went back and brushed mm-hmm. it up, you, you'd get it, right? You, song, first of all, helps you remember things. And besides re- remembering things, right? How many of us can sing the ABCs and the months of the year because we've learned that as songs? I don't know if, you can, if there are songs for the periodic table. I don't know. But that's how it's like, right? On the um the elements. I don't know. But the other thing about song, which is really wild, um, is that when you hear a snippet of a song, it's also like a hyperlink for memory. Mm-hmm. You know, you're walking in the mall and you hear a song and all of a sudden you're in the sixth grade and you're in a yeah. fight with your best friend, yeah. Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like, or you just, it's its a hyperlink to memory. So I want to yeah. give us all a, bl- a bracha first and foremost that Torah should, for us should be a hyperlink memory song. Mm-hmm. That we should come to Torah from a place of joy. We should come to Torah from a place of Nigan. We should have our own song that we connect to the Torah and that when you hear that song, it's a hyperlink to your memory of when you learned it and where you learned it and who you learned it with. And the other thing, um, this is a Torah I heard from one of our, minor student a gazillion years ago, he was in the men's program, his name's Reuven Formi. Um, he's actually he's, I would say he's a magician. He's actually a musician
1: <laughs> not a magician.
0: And one of the things that he said was that, that just like everybody has a different kind of song that really speaks to them, everybody has a different part of Torah that really speaks to them. And really we have to find our place in Torah. We have to connect our place in, in Torah in such a real and deep manner that again, that it becomes something that's so real for us and so memorable for us and so impactful for us. And it's only going to be if we actually connect to Torah in a deep way. I once heard, and I don't remember who I heard this for, from, so I can't tell you if it's actually really true. Okay, but it was a cool idea. <laughs> so I'm going to share it. Yeah. Is it right? A uh, what? It's like a <laughs> Bolsheta story, right? <laughs> so so, 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 so the, question, the question came up about what did the music in the temple sound like? Mm. What was... Because if we all have to go back and listen to like There's whatever, Yemenite... No, Yemenite, like they... Maybe. Like, there, there's there. lots of conversation and people say this was how they played in the of HaMikdash. I understand that but I'm asking like the other question like what if the music in the on HaMikdash didn't speak to me? <gasps> right. Right? Wouldn't that be terrible? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I once heard that... I once heard that... Um, that, it would, that that when Mashiach comes, it's gonna be almost, they were saying, like a silent concert, that everybody's gonna hear the music differently mm-hmm. to what resonates with them. Now, I don't know if that's actually true. I don't know, what I'm saying, but I think it's this kind like of cool. like a smell of Cholent, you know what I mean? Like a smell yeah. of <laughs> 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 I, it, it, Like, makes it Jewish, you know what I mean? There are so many stories of like how people remember Maybe, Very maybe, weird. but maybe, but I think I don't know if it's actually true. But I feel like there's an existential <laughs> part of it that to me sounds. It's like mana. Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. Like the mana, like it tasted like what differently The what, what you wanted it to be, and that. So I don't know if it's actually true. Maybe because of the eighth note, it's gonna be a whole other thing. Maybe, but what if it's a, what if it's a beat that doesn't speak to me? So then I'm really stuck, right? But what if it's like mana, exactly? But in a sound way that I could. I could hear it differently than the person who's standing next to me because I will receive it differently. Oh. So please, God, it should happen soon in our life, like Women. just really soon. In, mm-hmm. Not only in our lifetime, but soon in our lifetime. And then we'll we'll go and we'll like, oh, did you hear that? And you're like, oh, that's not what it said. Like <laughs> yeah. And then we'll say, oh, I was right. People uh, <laughs> go to like dance parties now have headphones and listen to other side. they all I, They're like the, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, love those. they really yeah. so, I fun. Was so I fun. fun. I love Okay. okay. <laughs> now, let's stay focused. We're we are we we really we're doing fine time but but I, that's what I was thinking, But like without headphones. Yeah. So 90% yeah. 90%. Okay. So here we are. <sighs> Moshe starting to talk to the Jewish people. It's the last day of his life. It's so sad. It's 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 it's, it's crazy. I, I don't want to say it's crazy, but it just it's got to be so emotional. Does he know? Yes. Yes. Okay. yes. Yes. Okay. In Parshish uh, in in Southern, he talks about Orvayet. Imagine how you feel leaving school whole in one day. How How I stay I <laughs> doing, like, Parshas, Parshas va- life. Right. Yeah, yeah. In, in the beginning of Parshas Vaila, in chapter thirty-one, he says, "I'm one hundred and twenty years today, and I can no longer go in front of you, and I can no longer lead you." It's got to be really, really hard for Moshe, for the people, mm-hmm. and and at the same time, Moshe, in true leader fashion, wants to leave them with as much as he can. He wants to leave them with. As much energy and as much focus and as much power as he can, because even though he's not crossing in into the into the land of Israel, and I always think about this, like you know, if if you've ever been to the Dead Sea, like on a clear day, you could see into Jordan, mm-hmm. right? They're on, they're there. He could see it. He could, oh, he could yeah. see. It was so close. He could smell it. Like if there's a barbecue on the other side. He would literally smell yeah. it, right? <laughs> I always think in terms of food. Um, sorry, that we did get away from food analogies. Um, he sees my house. He could see it. He could see it. And he's not going there. And instead of sort of sulking and saying, I can't go. He's like, how do I empower the people to go and to ace this and to really do this well? And Hazinu is, it's written as poetry. It's not so easy. Um, it's, it's also not so comfortable to listen to all the time. Okay, so let's go into a little. Bit. As we talked about last week, and I have it in my chumash. I don't know which chumash have it. Chazino in a sefer Torah is written as poetry. It's written with lots of columns and lots of space. Um, so here we are. So Moshe starts off and he says to the Jewish people. First he starts to start he starts speaking to heaven and earth. Chazino hashemayim vadebera v'sishmah arzi I don't know what that is. Um, right, listen, heavens, and I will speak, and speak, and and listen, earth, to the words of my mouth. And he talks about, uh, he talks about uh, this beautiful beginning of the Jewish people, and Hashem is so perfect, and everything's so good. And if there's any kind of anything that's not really so good, it's not Hashem. It's coming from the, it's coming from the kids. Um, and then, and then he talks about, remember your history, remember where you're coming from. Where Hashem found us in the desert. I'm around uh, chapter 32, verse uh, 10. Talks about Kichelik Hashem Amo, that uh, Hashem is part of the people, uh, part of the Jewish people. And Hashem found us in the desert, and He surrounded us, and da da da. And He's like an eagle that wa- that hovers over the nest, and He gently wakes His children. And Hashem, li- you know, but He rests by Himself. He has there's no foreign gods with Him. And then it sort of slides into, sort of after Shlishi, it's a very short Torah portion, um, he starts talking about, in chapter, sorry, yeah, chapter 32, verse 15, he talks about we got wealthy, we got fat, we got satisfied, we started to kick, we started to give ourselves all kinds of power of what, that we did this, we forget about Hashem, and we start to go into other kinds of idols and different kinds of worship, and then, and then Hashem sort of reels us back in. He reels us back in and the end of the, the end of then we have a couple of verses of not such good stuff happening and Hashem talks about how his arrows will, will be used up on the people and What's going to happen? And it's, he's going to—I'm going, to, going to destroy them. I'm going to have their memory be forgotten. And then Hashem says, "But we're going." And then he says, then he talks to the to the nations of the world. Then, in case you think that you were the ones who were able to destroy the Jewish people, it's only because Hashem has forsaken them. Cheerful stuff, right? <laughs> um, and and then Hashem talks about getting back at the people who've oppressed his people. And bringing the people close that close to him um, keep going. Yeah, but that's okay. Towards the end, um, in Pasuk Vem Gimel, verse forty three, <inaudible> Hashem is going to take revenge for his people on behalf of his people, and um, everything's going to. We're like you know we're kind of living the end of the story of Hazinu in our lifetime right now. Okay, and then we have that Moshe finishes taking, saying all these words. He gives it to Yehoshua and, um, and then he says to pay attention and, you know, be strong and, you know, there's not a little thing that I'm giving you to do and to cross the Jordan and everything should be good. Um, and then the next thing that we have over here is Hashem tells, tells Moshe to go up on, to go up onto the mountain. He's going to see the land of Israel. He's going to see the history of the Jewish people, and then he's going to be gathered onto his onto his people. And again, every single time, just an interesting factoid that every time it talks about Moshe's death, it always talks about the reason for his death that he that he is going to he's not going to the land of Israel because of why hitting the rock. because of hitting the rock. Okay, he doesn't he's not going to go, in, not because of any other sin that the Jewish people have done over the course other time in the desert, but it's always going back to, to, to the rock, and then you, didn't, you didn't sanctify me amongst the Jewish people, and um, you'll see the land, and then you're not going to be able to go in. And that is so sad. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 so sad. So sad, and then the next thing that Moshe does is that he blesses the people. Okay? He blesses the people. That's next week's Torah, that's next week's Torah portion where he blesses each he, he, each zotah uh, bracha, he blesses each person. Sorry, he blesses each tribe individually, and the Jews as a collective. And the end of the chumash, which we're not moving together, is where Moshe goes up to the mountain and he passes away. And he was in full strength and full everything, and got through the chumash ends. So I want to talk about a couple of things in. I want to talk about a couple of things in in the parsha because we think we know what's going on and we think we, we get the whole story but as always there's lots of layers going on over here. So if we go back to the beginning we have Hazino HaShemayim and and the, the commentators all talk about the idea that what's this deal of getting heaven and earth in as witnesses um, and he and, and Rashi brings that that um the heaven and earth last forever. Moshe says, "I'm making this covenant with you. I'm going to tell you that this is going to happen if things go bad. If you don't listen, well, who's going to be there to 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 say this was in fact given over? Who are going to actually be the witnesses?" So, so Rashi says, Moshe calls heaven and earth as witnesses, and um and he doesn't only act, he doesn't only ask heaven and earth to be the witnesses, but he's also empowering heaven and earth that in case. The Jewish people need to be punished, heaven and earth are in fact going to be the ones to hold back the rain and so like the punishment is going to come through heaven and earth. Now, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of conversation going on over here. One of the things that's very interesting, that the word ha'zinu, the same root as ozen, is something that's very close. Hazinu, ha va And the Tishma are it's shama. I'm hearing it's a little bit further away. And so some of the parts we talk about the idea that Moshe was closer to heaven than to earth, and this is this is his close reality. This is his further reality. Chassidus talks a lot about um, that Shemayim and Arutz are the two the two poles that we need in order to do in order to do our service. On the one hand, Shemayim is all the spiritual things. It's the it's the it's the Torah that we learn. All of those things are things that we need in order to have a relationship with Hashem. But we also shouldn't forget Haaretz, the actual mitzvahs that we need to do in order to, like, it's not one or the other. The answer is yes. Like, what are we supposed to do, spiritual or physical? The answer is yes. You need to do both of them, right? So Shabbayim represents the parts of our life that are Torah-based, learning specifically. Chassidus talks a lot about the, about the, the learning part of it. And, and and the arts is the mitzvahs and how we do mitzvahs and how we actually bring it down into our lives. Um, the other thing that's also very interesting, I saw this from one of the one of the Chassidosh rebbe's, that there's a lot of this this play on whether we're talking about spirituality and physicality. We're talking about Torah and mitzvahs. But one of the things that one of the hasidic rebbe's talks about is that if you see the word for next to Shamayin is Adabera. Now, if you say the word. Say da to yourself, da bear, right? Means to speak, but listen to the letters. The letters are very harsh. Daber. okay? Now, if you look at uh, Fi Amar, Amar, da is like say, right? Huh? It's more intense. It's more intense. The letters themselves are the letters are it's harsh, they're it's considered a harsh letter, right? Daber versus Amar. The letters are themselves stronger or, or less. And so one of the chaseshi and I forgot which one, I think it was the Rebbe, said that when we talk to Hashem, we say, we need spirituality, we need to speak to Hashem in dabar language, in forceful language, and say, we really need this. We need to have a connection. We need to, you know, we need our spirituality. And then when it comes to, and then he says, that it will trickle down into the physical stuff that we need as well. But also if you notice that the language that we're our, like our physical demands, we're asking for them. We're gonna also ask for it, but we're also doing it in a like m- more gentler kind of language situation. I think it was the says that that you if you if you forcefully demand what you need spiritually, then it will filter down and you'll also be given all of that physical that you need in order to in order to to facilitate your doing your spirituality one of the one of the that I'm sort of living with over the last bunch of you know since before hashana um you know is that when we talk about our 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 Hashem our service of hashem we're not looking i I'm going to go out and say none of us are looking to just sort of like sit on the beach with a Mai Tai and say that is serving Hashem. I mean, maybe sometimes, but, right? But that's not really what our service Hashem, by definition, service of Hashem is, is, is active work and we're happy to do the work and the bracha that I've really been sitting with is like, Hashem, you just need to give us whatever it is that we need in order to serve you. We want to serve you, but whatever it is that we need and everybody in our lives, we have like the big questions, you know, the health and the Parnassah and being able to afford, all that stuff. But within our, ourselves, we all have something that, that I need, that really, it, it sits on my heart and it's something that I need in order to really facilitate my service of Hashem. And my bracha to all of us is A, that we identify for ourselves, give ourselves the space to say not what does that person need, but what do I need really? Because the big, the big, the big check boxes, you know, health and parnasa, and that's those are the big questions, right? But but the questions that we want to ask ourselves inside is that where's my personal struggle? This is what's stopping me from serving Hashem properly, and so I need to say to Hashem, I need that. I need that. That's stopping me from serving you. I, I don't know if I, how many people I told. I was listening to a podcast before Rosh Hashanah. And this woman called and she asked the rabbi, she's like, I am so angry at God. I, I, I can't. I want to daven and I can't because I am so angry. And the rabbi said to her, which I thought was amazing. He's like, the only thing you need to concentrate on your davening this Rosh Hashanah is Hashem. I want to want to serve you. I want to want to serve you. And when when we're in a place where that's not where we are, that's a legitimate that's a legitimate prayer. Like it's not enough to say, but I should want. Okay, I should, but I don't. And the and and if that's a need that I have in order to serve Hashem, then we need to give it to him and say, God, I gotta ask for it. You know, I gotta ask for it and I gotta really be honest with ourselves. And it's yes, we need the big check boxes also, but there's also something that personally is my issue that I want to sort of Stretch and ask about something more personal. So I'm, I'm putting out that plug that we do that. Okay? Uh, we're doing fine. Okay. We're not going to go through the whole hazina because I don't understand a lot of it. I listened to it. I was learning an amazing mimer on the eagle situation, and I understood about a third of it. So I'm just telling you that I learned it, but not doing it it over. Um, but I want to look at this pasif. Kishem HaShem Ekra HaVogadol Opeven when the, the name, it's verse, it's verse 3, when the name Hashem is called out, we should bring glory to Hashem. And Rashi says that from here we learn that in the temple, uh, when God's name was, was said, God's four-letter name, that we don't know how to pronounce, the Yud and the He and the Vavah, the He that we don't know how to pronounce, when it was pronounced, they used to say, Baruch Shem Kavod Malchusa Le'olam The second line in Shema was our version of Amen. And, the, and from here, the, from here, the sages learned, by the way, that when when Hashem's name is called out, we need to bring greatness to Him. And practically speaking, it means that we need to say Amen when we hear a bracha. That's what they learned. They actually learned this from this pasuk. But what they, the low the next layer that they're saying is that in the Beis Hamikdash, they didn't say Amen to a bracha. They said Baruch kvod K'vod Malchuso They, you know. I don't know how to how it's great is Hashtag name and forever and ever, right? Um, that was like the long version of a main. And um, you know how is this practical for us, right? So first of all, it's practical for us because I want to make a plug for us saying brachas out loud. Uh, because when you hear a bracha, you're supposed to say a main. And if you if we say our brachas out loud and somebody else responds amen, that's really completing the bracha, and that's what this verse is talking about. When Hashem's name is called out, let's bring glory to his name, so that we should be listening. There's, there's all kinds of laws of brachas, and when you say amen, da da da. but I want to, you know, there's, there's something almost equally, in most of the Mufarshan, they talk about this idea, that there's something almost equally important to saying amen to the bracha as to the person who makes the bracha in the first place that the, the place of, I agree, I mean, I agree with what you're saying, there's something super, super powerful about that, so that's that's something that I was, like, I think it's just so, it's, I think it's just an amazing thing, it's like such an easy thing to, well, okay, it's not so easy to say our brachas out loud, I'm going to, I'm going to go out there and say, it's not so easy to say our brachas out loud, but when we do say our brachas out loud and somebody responds, there's a lot of value to that, and to you know, to, 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 make a, to try as much as you can to be able to do that, I think is very special. The other thing, just which is very interesting, is that in the temple, when they heard Hashem's name uh, called, they didn't only say Baruch Shay, they actually went down and they, they prostrated themselves. And if you were in my you saw that happening in real time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was happening over there. Uh, what else did I want to talk about? Um, okay. Okay, there's a there's there's a there's a random not a random story. There's a story that the Rebbe has spoke about um, at Forbrängens, and um, it's there's a story of Nachmanides Ramban, who uh, who was very involved with you know sort of I guess I guess the, the publicizing God's name. He was once he was involved in a very famous debate with. Uh, with somebody who had who had uh, converted, and there's there was like one of those you know lose lose situations. Come, can you can you debate this this priest and or whatever? And if you lose, you get exiled, and if you win, you get exiled, and like there's no there's no good answer over here. But the ramban was once uh, f- was forced into such a debate, and whatever. But but there's another story that I want to share about the ramban the chmanides. That there was somebody in his community who had been Jewish, who was Jewish, who had become Christian Catholic. I don't know if they were doing it that th- those days. He, he he went over to the church, and at some point he had a conversation with uh, he had a conversation with Nahmanides, and the que- and I, I don't know how, I don't know how do exact how the the, the the nuance of the story, but I guess the question came up was why did you leave your faith? What caused you to lose your faith and he said because I was in Chayir and the Rebbe made a a, a ludicrous statement and it just sort of simmered in my head and when I was old enough to do something about it I was like I'm out of here what was the ludicrous statement? The Rebbe told them their teacher told them that all of Jewish history collectively and personally is written in Hazinu and he's like that's just ludicrous He's like, I I am in Hazinu. Me, personally, I'm in Hazinu. And the way the story goes is that Nachman is thought. And he opened up the Chumash to Hazinu, to chapter 32, verse 26. And um, and he said, there's a, a verse there that says, I said I will destroy them. I will scatter them, and their memory will be... How did we translate it? Did I translate it properly? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I said, I will scatter them. And, yeah? I will cause their memory to cease for men. Mm-hmm. To cease for men. And he said, your name is right mm-hmm. here. And if you look at the fourth letter of every word, you will find, this man's name was Avner, you'll find that the fourth, uh, sorry, the third letter of each word it is... What verse is it?
1: 26. It, spells it says,
0: the first one is a raish. The first word has a resh. The second one has an aleph. Third letter, the third letter of the next word is a vay, ve- a bays or a vase. Nun and a resh. His name is right there. Reb Avner, right there. Pre-computer generated information. Um, his name is right there. And the Reb when he told the story, he said, this guy had converted. He was not considering himself part of, you know, the Jewish people, but still the Torah gives a resh, like a reb, like an honorific to him, that there is always, always the possibility of somebody coming back and doing tshuva. And there are versions, there are different versions of what happens to the story. Um, Many, like versions of, but basically he took this very, very much to heart. He does tshuva and he sails off, maybe he goes to another country and his memory is in fact, almost lost to history except for the fact that we have the story and we still talk about it. and We still have the name here. So, so I want to give us a bracha that it not be so hard for us to find our place in Torah. That we, we're we now at the place we're standing right before Yom Kippur. Shabbat for Yom Kippur. It's pretty around the corner. So practically, if you have not yet started hydrating, now's a really good time to start hydrating. And water in, water out is not such a good option. Try to get something with some sugar and some minerals and whatever else that you need. Um, so that's practically. But I want to give us a bracha that we understand that Yom Kippur is a time, and I'm sure you've discussed this with Rabbi Kaufman, where we are in fact embraced by God. And then we're going to go from that kind of embrace of being in the in the ilah, that type mm-hmm. of like, you know, that, that whole being consumed and being able to be to say, I want to step into a relationship with Hashem. And from there, we're going to move into the sukkah, where we're going to be so... Our whole body is going to be in a relationship with Hashem, but from a place of joy, like unfettered joy. I'm going to be sitting in my sukkah for the whole week. I'll have a bottle of wine on the table. Anybody who wants is welcome to come and stop by. We've got to get the sukkahs first. But, um, but really, 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 that we understand that we are valuable. Torah, without us, Torah does not actually exist. And I'm not only talking about the words of the Torah, but Torah, the collectives, how we have a relationship with Hashem. It's not enough to say, but so many people are doing so many good things, and it's okay if I just like sort of skate on the side and don't do anything. Hashem's waiting for each and every one of us to say, I want to have a relationship with you. Don't we love each other? Don't we want to like, go out for coffee? Don't we want to like hang out and, and, and just chill and talk about fun stuff? Um, and, and how do we work to bring, you know, to bring greatness to God's name? That we're, wherever we go and whatever we do, we should be bringing glory to Hashem's name. And we should be given the most beautiful, easy to appreciate, good year Amen. with brachas that we just have to open up. And they'll be there, ready for us to take and to transfer them into... Holiness and spirituality and godliness, and that we should really, in our in very soon in our lifetime, like I said, we should be able to see Mashiach come, have a new base Hamikdash, and and then all those questions will will we'll, we'll, will be able to answer all those questions, and it's really He's waiting for us. So like that's that's kind of my bracha to all of us. That so we should we should be courageous. We should be courageous and step into. That which is already being given to us. Have an awesome rest of the day.